All right, welcome back to the Conehead Sports Podcast here with another, I mean, the same reoccurring guest for, I think, the third time you've been on. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, like, I'm happy to be a reoccurring guest now. I feel like I'm a regular. Yeah, third third time, Braden Nevius. I said that right. I feel like I always get that. Nevius. Yeah, there you go. There you go. That's good. Heck, heck yeah. I'm on it now. Um, It's been a while. It's been two weeks. I mean, it's been a crazy two weeks. We're getting back into school. Stuff's going on, but it's great to be back. And it's kind of the prime time for uh, sports. Hockey just is back. Playoff football. uh, Tournament, not tournament play, uh, conference play for basketball. And then here in a second, fall, uh, spring, uh, spring baseball is going to be coming out. So it's kind of a, a perfect perfect time january and february we'll see how it continues hopefully we'll still be able to play sports this and that high school talking to cal about that a few weeks ago about high school sports and that but uh we'll start with um the playoff football games which is pretty much anything on everybody's mind i'm guessing you watched both of them uh yeah like i watched both of them from kickoff to uh you know the final kneel downs and sorry go ahead no, you're, you're good. You're good. I was going to say, uh, something about the AFC game just felt off to me. It felt like, I mean, obviously the NFC game was more entertaining. For sure. Even when Buffalo was up nine to nothing, I never really felt like that was going to be a tight game. Oh, no. Not, not, I feel like, as you've seen in the past with the Chiefs getting down and coming back, it's kind of inevitable. Yeah. Like these guys are coming back, but we'll start with the first game Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers. And for me, going into this game, I was like, there's no way the Packers lose. They absolutely curb stomped the Rams. Uh, Tampa Bay came off of who did the Tampa Bay beat to get in? Saints. The Saints. That was a close game, too. They kind of barely made it out. So I was kind of like, I don't know if Tom Brady still has it in him. I don't know. But now watching the game, I mean, Tom Brady's still Tom Brady. I didn't. Th- I mean, through this entire season, I'm like Tom Brady's a little washed up. I'm, there's a few games he lost that usually he would win. Um, remember that in like week like three or four when he thought it was third. He thought it was third down, but it was really fourth down, and they lost the game. Yeah, like that was that Thursday game against the Bears. I remember that. See, that's that's when I was like, okay, maybe crap hit the fan for Tom Brady. Maybe this isn't his year. Stuff like that. That's what I thought. And now we're here in January, and he's back in his – what is this, his 10th Super Bowl? Yeah, 10th Super Bowl. I mean, that was crazy. And, I mean, I know our fellow friend Landon was probably very, very upset with the Packers' performance. But, I mean, all around, Tampa Bay just kind of crushed him. Uh, what, what, what were your other thoughts on the game? Well, first of all, like you said, condolences to Landon and Cameron. Lay, uh, I'm probably <laughs> still very upset about that. And also, shout out to myself for correctly predicting the Super Bowl. Uh, my first appearance on the show seems to be coming back to, you know, be correct. <laughs> but as far as the game goes, um, really, I think it was obviously people talk about the quarterbacks, and Tom Brady deserves all the you know credit in the world. Yeah, um, just to go from the Patriots to uh, to the Buccaneers and. Uh, AFC to NFC. Exactly. New conference, new team, uh, and a team that hadn't made the playoffs in 
I'm wanting to say 13 years or something like that. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and so that in itself is impressive, but to me, it was just a coaching mismatch. I mean, with Arians, you know, with the risk it or, or is it risk it or biscuit? Is that what he called? Yeah. 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 That, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Uh, like going for it, uh, like at the end of the first half and that, uh, long touchdown pass to Scotty Miller and then and then if if you were to switch sidelines and put Bruce Arians in the scenario of Matt LaFleur and go for it on fourth down, like I think he goes for it. I don't think he kicks a field goal in that Oh no. So I think it was just a coaching mismatch more than anything else. I mean, if we're 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 talking about it now, but I feel like this is it for every everything that ever happens in sports is Man, I wish he would have went for it, but say he went for it and missed it. Man, I wish he would have kicked that field goal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I mean, either way, the Packers were gonna need to get it, or we're gonna have to score a touchdown and stop Tom Brady. So I, I felt like the scenario would have played out better just giving Rodgers a chance. I feel like it would have too. I mean, it's fourth down. It's fourth and is it's fourth and goal. They're yeah. on like the five maybe. Nah, for sure. I think you got to go for that. It, it gives a bunch of momentum back to your team. It takes away a lot from Tampa Bay, and then you kick that field goal. It's three, and I mean two first downs later, and the game's over. So yeah, and what really surprised me about the game was, I mean, the first half was a lot of offense, and then in the second half, you know, the Packers made the comeback, and then it really just became a battle of defenses going back and forth. And it did. I was, I mean, obviously, Tampa Bay got that first down that assaulted the game away. And I'm sure we'll get into the pass interference call in a minute. But yeah, yeah. But as far as the game goes, I was surprised that Brady and Rodgers weren't able to capitalize on, you know, some turnovers and stuff like that. Usually, I've like what Brady had three interceptions in the second half. And yeah, and especially late, the Packers didn't take advantage of those turnovers. So, like, I was just surprised that Brady and Rodgers weren't able to, you know, you know, put themselves in better situations late in the game. I, I, I mean, the defenses were a huge thing. And let's not forget, I feel like, I mean, you can have bad days, but I don't think anybody's had a worse day than Kevin King. They were all over him. I mean, he couldn't stop a single ball. That was the worst cornerback like performance I have ever seen. Uh, Everything was getting caught over him. I saw a thing on Twitter uh, after the first half of the game, and every maybe not every, uh, you know what I think it was every uh, touchdown in the first half. Kevin King ha- ha- played a part in it, like as far as Tampa Bay goes. Uh, for the first touchdown that Brady threw to Mike Evans, he. You know, he totally mistimed his jump. I mean, that could have been an interception if he timed the jump correctly. And uh, and then on that Fournette touchdown, uh, they showed a picture of Fournette laying on Kevin King's back, rolling into the end zone. And that's then, what that's what and, I'm saying. And uh, and then the third touchdown obviously was just a blown letting Scotty Miller run past you kind of play, which shouldn't happen. He, I mean. Every time I saw a big play or a big snag, it was always on Kevin King. One player, I mean, if you're Jair Alexander, I feel like Tampa Bay really was able to stay away from him and kind of isolate him. 
be like, okay, we're going to keep him. Over. I think he might have been on Mike Evans or Chris Godwin. I don't know which one they had him primarily on. But, I mean, they they looked and saw where Kevin King was, and they're like, hey, throw it that way. And it was – I mean, it was bad. But, I mean, that's, that's Tom Brady for you, you know. Uh, but Aaron Rodgers – I – Tell me if – when I was watching the game, I kind of felt – I felt this. They're not giving the ball to Devontae Adams enough. Yeah, and, I mean, I'm sure some of that just had to do with Tampa Bay's defense. But, I mean, really, I mean, once Aaron Jones went out, and he wasn't playing well anyway when he was in the game. He had two fumbles. Uh, one was recovered by the Packers, and the other one was recovered by the Buccaneers. But mm-hmm. – but, other than Jones and Adams, I mean, none of their weapons are very reliable. So, uh, so I kind of expected them to try to take Adams out of the game as much as possible, and obviously that they did a good job. But um, and I thought Valdez Scantling did a good job of stepping up, but still, I think you got to try and get the ball to Adams as much as possible. Back in whatever might have been like week thirteen or something when the Packers played Tampa Bay earlier, and Tampa Bay, I mean, ran them over. I was watching a video and this guy really broke down everything in the video. He he broke down their defense, what Aaron Rodgers couldn't do, what Bruce Arians was trying to do, what Matt LaFleur couldn't do, stuff like that. And it really came down to Shaq Barrett and their defense just blitzing the crap out of Aaron Rodgers every time and not giving him a chance to even like set up a quick, quick little throw or whatever. And they would just blitz the crap out of him. And I feel like they kind of did that Sunday. They they blitzed him, and, I mean, I don't know Matt LaFleur, what he was doing, but he didn't really have a, a slant combination that or wide receivers that would really go somewhere where Aaron Rodgers could just a quick throw. I just felt like he got sacked all the time. Yeah, and, and you're – and, like, when you don't have, you know, of course not adding Adams to this equation, but when you don't have the – weapons you know then you can do that so as long as they take Adams out of the game then they're you know then they're home free which they were that entire game and I mean other than that little comeback they had at the third quarter I mean Tampa Bay really shut down the Packers offense it's not we'll get to the next game in a second do you think Tom Brady's the GOAT is that kind of done now yeah and I thought it it was even before this game, whether he won or not. But I think any, you know, doubters that were left or any hesitations people had, I think that went away yesterday. And even if he were to lose in the Super Bowl, I think those, you know, naysayers are gone. And I think people realize Tom Brady is the certified 100% GOAT. I think – uh, yeah, unless he maybe gets blown out, uh, it might be iffy. But no, nah, 100% Tom Brady's to go. I, they're like crazy stats coming out right now. Uh, the He has a better – Tom Brady has a better percentage chance of going to the Super Bowl than Steph Curry does making a three. <laughs> I saw that. Um, when the, the first time Tom Brady ever won a Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes was six years old. That's unbelievable. I mean, talk about sustained success. And, I mean, for many years, he didn't even have a lot of weapons in, you know, in New England. Now, obviously, he does. But, 
I mean, I think his greatness is just being, you know, put on a pedestal finally. I think he was underestimated for a lot of years. And, I mean – I think the last few years he's been underestimated very much. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, I was probably one of those people, but not really because I didn't like Tom Brady, but because I didn't like the Patriots. And I think Brady's become a more likable figure now that he's not on the Patriots. I think he has. I think he's not even really – like, Patriots' Tom Brady feels like a villain. I don't know if it feels like that to anybody else, but to me I'm just kind of like – Eh, bad guy. Tampa Bay, he just kind of seems fun. He's like, he's he's passing. He's got Gronk on the sidelines. <laughs> I mean, the team, I mean, this is probably one of the better teams he's ever played with, offensive and defensively with the weapons he has. But uh, I definitely think people are starting to be like, okay, this guy's actually kind of crazy good. I mean, he's been to nine Super Bowls, like, before this. I don't know how we didn't give him enough credit, but now he's been to ten. Um, I mean that's that's fifty percent of his career, and uh, I saw another. That's insane. Stat. Exactly. I mean, it's fifty percent of his career, and then it's eighteen percent of all Super Bowls all time, which is unbelievable. And you were talking about the, uh, you know, Tom Brady villain versus good guy thing. I think that can be compared to LeBron in the NBA because LeBron was looked at as the villain in Miami, and even in some cases now with the Lakers. But then everybody was the good guy in Cleveland. So I think Tom Brady is Cavaliers, LeBron, like right now, and then mm-hmm. New England Tom Brady is Miami Heat slash Lakers LeBron. Say, okay, let's put this in a basketball perspective for exactly what you just said. So say Tom Brady, and this is like age, like doesn't really apply to this as much. Like we'll say my like bef- Cleveland LeBron like the first time, then he went to Miami. And I feel like that's Patriots, Tom Brady. And then he went to the Cavs. And that's where Tom Brady is at right now. So we're on that. Where could Tom Brady go where then it would make him L.A. LeBron? Dallas Cowboys. Really? Yes. Interesting. I I mean, mean, because when you think about it, I mean, I think Dak Prescott's better than Jameis Winston. But, you know, they're kind of similar situations. Well, maybe not coaching wise, because you know Mike McCarthy needs to go. But <laughs> Dallas has sure. all the weapons, and Mark the Cooper. defense is, you know, a little suspect. But they did hire Dan Quinn, which was a good hire, in my opinion. And uh, and they got some young guys who I think can be good in the future. So, and of course, and then Dallas is just the most hated franchise in the NFL for good reason. But mm-hmm. so and so, you put Tom Brady in Dallas, I think. That's like having LeBron in um, in L.A. I think if I was going to pick, I think it would be more like kind of the Rams because I feel like a Sean McVay and Tom Brady mix for coaching would kind of be insane. Yeah. yeah. And obviously it's also Los Angeles like like LeBron. So, That's true. <laughs> so that could be, you know, I could see that. That's, I mean, I like thinking about that. Um for LeBron, I don't I still think Jordan's the go. If LeBron wins this year, I may give it to him. I may be giving it to him because the big big three and the Nets is kind of insane right now. And we'll get we'll maybe we'll get to that later maybe. But LeBron could maybe be sneaking up on being the go to basketball 
better than Michael Jordan, but it's it's not there yet. You yeah. Think so? Yeah, like I would agree with you. I think if LeBron can get, I think, which he still has plenty of time to do it, and he made. Oh, for sure. Uh, if he can get to six titles and match Jordan, and then obviously he'd have more finals appearances, and you know he'd probably be number one in everything by the time this happens. So, I think if he can win, what he's got four titles right now, right? Yeah. So, if he can win two more then I think people will seriously start to put him number one. Because some people do it now, but I don't really think it's genuine. But I think if he can match Jordan in titles, then I think there's a legitimate argument to be had that he should be considered the GOAT. I think if he wins six, then the six-for-six six argument is out the window. Yeah. I mean, because that's, you know, that's, you know, Michael's top – Michael, no one calls him Michael. <laughs> that, that that that's Jordan's top, um, you know, argument is that he went six for six. But if LeBron can match him with the six titles, and then obviously he has more finals appearances than than Jordan, I think that would put him, you know, like over the top. I I do think that's true, and I think, and I think it's very reasonable that he could win two more. Uh, oh, yeah. oh yeah. I don't see. I mean, him and AD are kind of an unstoppable duo. Even though the rest of their team is, I mean, they got Montrez Harrell. They have is Rondo still there. I mean, their team uh, this year is kind Atlanta of Atlanta now. The NBA's. I mean, listen. I mean, and like I'm starting to get in a little bit more into it now. But actually, I was playing a game the other night with um, Colin Nicholson and Tyler Sparks. We were playing like can we name players on an NBA roster? And I was like, I was totally lost. And I was like, I can't believe I don't know any of these NBA rosters. So <laughs> I have to get, you know, my, my mind right on knowing these NBA teams because I'm lost right now. I think my mind is still set to like a year and a half ago. Last <laughs> year I could name Ed probably about 75% of every team's players except for the bottom 15% of the bad teams. Yeah, those like the Grizzlies. I feel like I couldn't really get some of those new like in and out G League kind of teams. But for the most part, I feel like I could get a lot of them. That would maybe that'd be a pretty fun podcast to do of us just trying to name everybody on the team. <laughs> uh, I think we should do it. That actually sounds pretty fun. But we'll we kind of got off the topic. We'll go back to football and then maybe we'll swing back after talking about UK and the game tonight. But um, we'll now go wrapping up. We'll go to the the Chiefs and Bills game. Was there, besides Bills Mafia, do you think there was any chance that anybody actually had the Bills winning? Well, I mean, I think quite a few people were, you know, picking the Bills as like their sneaky pick. But, I mean, to be honest, I never felt that like the Bills were going to win. Um, at which now, thinking about it, I am keep having flashbacks to the Browns because I think we would have beaten them too. And, um, <laughs> but – like I said at the beginning of the podcast, even when they got up nine to nothing, I never really felt like they were going to win the game. And I think that just has a lot to do with how many times we've seen the Chiefs come back from, you know, deficits. You know, last season, the 24-0 you know, start that Houston had, and then they end up winning, what, 48 or 41 to 24. It was unbelievable. So, so – I never really felt it. Um, I'm 
when you're watching a Kansas City game and it's a defense, it's an offense like you've never seen before. I mean, you have track stars who are running over defenses, finding the. I mean, when you think of Tyreek Hill, you're like, this guy's fast. He's an elite route runner. But more than that, I mean, he thinks the game differently than a lot of receivers. Uh, I don't. People don't really have him in their top five. I saw like Justin Jefferson giving their top five for receivers and uh, somebody else. Maybe I could pull that up. But uh, they didn't. And a, lot, a lot of them had Tyreek Hill, and I think Tyreek Hill is a little underrated. But I mean, his ability to find coverages and then sit below him or sit right behind him and then to just burn him is a is a crazy thing that I feel like him, McCole Hardman, uh, Pringle. Uh, have all been able to do and not even talk about Travis Kelsey who I feel like nobody ever even tries to guard him because he's just so good I, I mean how do you stop that offense I, I, you know what like if anyone can do it I, well I say this but Tyreek put up 200 yards in the first quarter against them <laughs> back in the regular season but I still think this if anyone can do it it's Tampa Bay I think they have the right pieces like I said Maybe that Their defense is good. Not a good, you know, example of that. But I'm still going to stick with it. Um, I think Tampa Bay can. No one can stop them. But I think they can contain them. I mean, because, you know, Tyreek had that good first quarter. But then the rest of the game, you know, I mean, they held them in check and they actually made a comeback and almost won that game. But That is true. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so, but no one can stop that offense. They just have too many weapons. And I, I think we saw – last week in that Browns game that, you know, people – and Mahomes deserves a lot of credit for this. You know, people say, oh, well, you can just insert anyone in it with those weapons and they'll still win as many games. I mean, Chad Henney didn't play bad, but, you know, you could definitely tell a, you know, a drop-off in offensive production. So I, 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 I offense is just unbelievable. For sure. I, I saw a stat, maybe it was this morning, with uh, people always talk about – how anybody could win with the weapons and it had alex smith with the exact same weapons plus um kareem hunt and they both lost in the wild card divisional round so mahomes is that good i mean i've never seen a player look so relaxed and so at ease when he plays the game you could maybe put in Sidney crosby i mean maybe jordan lebron but i mean he looks that it just looks effortless of how he throws the ball. Yeah, uh, I mean, I may put Aaron Rodgers in that oh, category. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. uh, he always seems really relaxed. Um, but Tom Brady never looks relaxed. I mean, he's <laughs> – but maybe it's just because he's an emotional guy. But, you know, but I mean, obviously he's the GOAT, like we said. But I'd put Aaron Rodgers in that category. Uh, I know you're the host, but let me ask you a question. I like what, this. What other quarterbacks in the NFL could you insert in Mahomes' spot and they maintain the success they have? Ooh. I think – I don't think Drew Brees because I feel like his arm isn't as good as it used to, so I'm kind of taking him out. I think if you put Rodgers in there, they'd flawlessly go. I feel like – Man, that's a that's a tough question. I think Rodgers is one. Maybe who are some of the newer quarterbacks? I think Baker Mayfield would work pretty good with that. Hmm. Cuz you you already see him with um 
OBJ when he was there and Jarvis. I feel like he he knew how to make big plays. Um, man, I was probably I would probably go with Aaron Rodgers is the only one that could really put up as the same numbers as Mahomes with that team. Yeah, like I think I agree with you. I mean, the only person I would add is definitely Rodgers, and then I would add Deshaun Watson. Oh, that is a good one. To me, Rodgers and Watson are the only two guys that could keep up with what Mahomes is doing. And even then, I think Mahomes is better than those two guys. You you could see that with how he used Will Will Fuller and uh, and Hopkins when they were together, and their route running was kind of middle of the field, kind of high ball on it. And I feel like that definitely could relate to how the Chiefs play. Imagine Andy Reid with Deshaun Jackson, Deshaun Watson. Well, you know, I mean, maybe Eric Bieniemy. I mean, I know it's not Andy Reid, but it could be, you know, uh, Andy Reid coaching tree kind of guy end up with Watson in Houston. Maybe, maybe if the Texans hire Bieniemy, he might be open to staying. I hope because that would be a really good duo, in my opinion. Ooh. Did you also hear that Deshaun Watson would rather go to the Jets over the Dolphins? He said he – well, he never said this, but my assumption would be if he wants out of Houston, then he wants to win. But when you say you want to go to the Jets, You're not it's hard winning. to believe that you want to win. And, yeah, I get it. They got a lot of cap space. And, you know, Sala, I think he'll be a great head coach there. But You do? Um, you think he's going to be that good? Yeah. Uh, I, was, I, was a little, I was a little iffy about that one. I, he was amazing as a defensive coach of the 49ers, but I was a little spectacle. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, now in today's NFL, it's, you know, more difficult for defensive-minded head coaches to succeed and, you know, obviously. You see that with Mike Zimmer, freaking idiot. Well, you know, <laughs> but, but the thing about Mike Zimmer is, you know, they had a top five top five offense this season and a horrible defense, which is totally unlike what he's used to. But um, so it's harder for, you know, defensive coaches to win now. But – but there's also the aspect of motive, you know, motivation. And to me, he's one of the top motivational speakers in the NFL. And so I think that along with just he feels like a professional, which is, you know. Adam Gase was not a professional. You cannot Adam, be otherwise. Adam Gase. Uh, he's a goofball. He's a, he doesn't have a, another job yet, does he? He shouldn't. No, he shouldn't. He should never have another job. No, he should uh, never be able to ever coach the game of football again. Especially as a <laughs> coach, maybe, maybe someone feels bad for him and lets him be an OC again, but he should never be a head coach in the NFL again, and, and certainly not before some of these guys that haven't gotten a job like Eric Bieniemy and um, his name is you know slipping my mind right now, but the offensive coordinator uh, for the Bills, and um, I mean some of these other guys and. I don't know if you saw this or not. Josh McCown getting an interview with the Texans. That Isn't he the offensive coordinator for the Patriots? Who, Josh McCown? Yeah. No, you're thinking of Josh. That's Josh McDaniels. Yeah. I'm talking about former backup quarterback Josh McCown. Hmm. Remember him with the Browns? And then he uh, started for the Eagles in a playoff game a couple years ago because Wentz was not surprisingly hurt again. I I probably do remember him, but I feel like – there's so many like good available coaches that can happen, but I feel like there's so little like people being interviewed. Like 
Adam Gase, in the first place, shouldn't have ever had the job with the Jets. I feel like there's not a lot of people coming in and coming out. I feel like there's a solid, like, 10 people that every NFL team looks at for head coaching or coaching jobs. I don't know how Josh McDaniels does not have a head coaching job yet. Yeah, and – Like, that blows my mind. Uh, you're right about McDaniels. I, for, I forgot to mention him. I, I think he had the job as the Colts head coach, and then he decided not to take it – not this season – but a couple seasons ago, I think he had the job with the Colts, and then at the last second, he like didn't take it. I don't know why he didn't. But uh, but uh, yeah, so there are a lot of coaches out there that deserve opportunities before Adam Gase. Do you think who do you think the next uh, Colts quarterback is going to be? I'm going to go Matthew Stafford. I would. I think I would. That's a really good pick i feel like if they can get in that's amazing for the colts yeah and uh, part of it has it to just do feels with, like that would be right yeah and i think part of it has to do as far as the fit goes like you said uh you know he's a dome quarterback which you know people talk about that with breeze all the time that he mm-hmm. couldn't do anything outside of a dome and I, <laughs> I think that might be a thing i mean stafford's a you know bigger arm guy and might might even be more talented than Breeze, but um, so I think he'd be more willing to succeed outside of a dome. But he's used to that, so I think that'd be a good fit with the Colts. And before Stafford became available, I would have said Carson Wentz, but now like I think Stafford would be their first choice. Do you think Carson Wentz is also on the trading block because Jalen Hurts looks to be their next quarterback? I don't know who would want Carson Wentz. Maybe. The Jets, if they don't get Deshaun Watson, he'd look good in the their green. Yeah, I, I, I mean, like he's already worn green before. Um, I would not take a chance on Carson Wentz. Maybe nope, his contract is better, but his contract is, you know, what over a hundred million, which is ridiculous for him. Um, so I don't see any teams, especially after the Stafford news. I don't see any team taking a chance on Wentz, so I think that the Eagles are stuck with him. I think that's fair. Um, It's just, who do you think? I mean, now there's so many quarterback open jobs this year. Who can take the, the? Oh well, well we're still in the the topic of quarter of uh, head coaches. Did you see? I gotta pull this up on Twitter. It's it's that good. Okay. Uh, somebody tweeted out it was um Aaron Torres and he said something about Adam uh about uh what's his name I should know this I gotta oh Nick Saban random college football thought the fact Nick Saban had a few open spots on his coaching staff and filled them with guys who were NFL head coaches last season Bill O'Brien and Doug Marone is borderline one of the most incredible things he's pulled off during his time at Bama. Tell me that's not crazy. I, I mean, it's it's absolutely insane. I mean, I mean, you know, there are. I mean, just take Kentucky. We took uh, the Rams' quarterbacks coach or assistant OC or something, but Alabama just took two former head coaches last season. I mean. <laughs> That's unheard of, I mean, and especially to go from NFL to college like that. I mean, I mean, I, you know, usually I have a lot to say, but I'm speechless. 
Um, and he doesn't look like he's stopping. He looks like he's going to keep trucking and keep winning championships. I mean, before you know it, his, you know, he's going to be head coach and his offensive coordinator is going to be Eric Bieniemy, and his defensive coordinator is going to be, you know, Mike, good, Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer, which, well, it might be next year if they don't turn things around. But, I mean, it, it, and of course, he always, you know, like he had Butch Jones on his staff for a few years and then he had Charlie Strong on his staff for a few years I mean he just brings all these former head coaches on to his staff and then they you know obviously they succeed and then they get to leave Alabama and go get new jobs like Steve Sarkeesian just got a job as Texas head coach so he just he's you know takes them in and puts them out within a couple years and it's just unbelievable what he does that's that's really is what happened. Talk about Nick Saban. Do you, he's had some interview moments where he wasn't the nicest. I mean, when you've reached that point, he's one of the greatest head coaches ever. I mean, can you even be nice? It's hard because I feel like celebrities aren't nice. And I feel like he's no exception to that. But I mean, you're the greatest. It's always weird to me when I feel like I've heard some people are just mean. I've heard Aaron Rodgers is mean. Yeah, well, that may have some validity to it because didn't he disown his entire family or his entire family oh, yeah. or something like that? I mean, they have, like, no relation whatsoever. And not to, you know, speculate on what goes on in their family, but either yeah. either he's, you know, awful or his entire family's awful. And, and, and like, I don't know which one to believe, but – as far as oh sorry go ahead. Well, but like looking at like a perspective, I'm only 18. Are you are you 17? Uh no, I'm 18. Okay, uh, so like we're both 18. I can't see myself ever just disowning my family. I mean, my family makes me mad just as much as the next. Don't believe me. They 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 they'll give it to me. But like I can't see myself ever being like nah. You guys, I'm we're just not a we're not a thing anymore. We're not family. This is done. Like, I can't – that's just weird. And that could have been either way. It could have been his family or an Aaron Rodgers, but I just can't – that's just weird. And I feel like celebrities get away with being mean too much. Yeah, and, well, I, and, and I mean, like, the thing with the Rodgers family is, you know, if he was the only celebrity in the family, well, that makes sense. But his brother's famous too, uh, uh, Jordan Rodgers. He was a uh, Vanderbilt quarterback – and then he was on The Bachelor. Not that I watched The Bachelor, but uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, and now he's a commentator uh, for the SEC Network crew. He's on. No, the- wait, no way. Is that the Jordan Rogers that does it with Tom Hart? Yeah, that's the Tom Hart and Cole Kublik, uh Jordan Rogers. That's Aaron Rogers' brother. No uh, way. Yeah, I mean, I, I, at first I didn't know that either, but then I got to looking at them, and they look very similar. Um, yeah, but they're brothers, and. Uh, and uh, so if if only Aaron was famous, maybe it was his family, like, wanted all of his money or something. But, no, I mean, Jordan's – I mean, not, obviously not as famous, but he's still – I'm sure he's got money. And, he's still definitely – And he's still fine I mean, with the family. So, I, don't, I mean, I don't know how he got on this tirade, but it's okay. You know, like, it's okay to go off topic. Uh, well, that's, but, that's what – I mean, if yeah. we're on topic, we did something wrong. It, it, exactly. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, the most successful – 
you know, of podcasts and especially sports podcasts. Shout out KSR. They go off topic all the time. So that's, that's basically their podcast is off topic. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, like, it's okay to go off, you know, topic here and now again. Talking about Jordan Rogers, and I mean, the S. I feel like my I know I've talked to my dad about this, and he basically has the total opposite. I feel like the SEC, besides Tom Hart, Jordan Cole, uh, Jimmy Dykes, um, that might be it. Have awful announcers. I think the ACC have really, really good announcers. I don't know why. I feel like they're always on my TV, and maybe I just like their voice. But I feel like the SEC announcers are just getting worse. Except, yeah. I mean, who's, who's going to replace? I, I love Jay Billis, and I love the guy who does it with him. I can't remember his name. But I feel like, tell me I'm wrong. S- a- ACC announcers are great. Well, and I, it, might be the, it might just be the ESPN announcers. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, like, I don't really know because usually when I, like, watch a game that's not Kentucky – I usually have the game on mute because I don't care what the announcers are saying. But <laughs> but, uh, but as far as, like, Tom Hart and Colin, I mean, I think they're – other than, like, Kirk Herbstreet and Chris Fowler uh, yeah. for football and then um, – uh, well, actually, I like them for ba- basketball. Uh, Romo about, and Nance are good. Romo and, you know, other than, like, you know, the top guys for each sport. Work. Exactly. Uh, I feel like – as far as like secondary guys go, I think Hart, Kublik, and Rogers are the best trio, and for sure. And like I know you had Cole, and not only are they good announcers, but they're good people. Uh, I know you had uh, Cole on the podcast a while back, and uh, and I've gotten to do a couple things with Cole. Oh, something just fell. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I got to do a couple things with Cole in the past too, and like they're just really cool guys. And of course, Tom Hart. Uh, has a good connection with, you know, KSR and UK fans and stuff like that. And then Jordan <laughs> Rogers is just a cool dude. So uh, I feel like yeah. I feel like you're you're really right about that. And those, I mean, talking to Cole, he said one of the biggest things of why he feels they're. I mean, it's so free flowing and talking to is their chemistry is so good. I mean, they know each other's kids, they know their wives. I mean, they get to know each other. And listening to like a, a Chris Collinsworth interview during the summer. He did a few of those, and I listened to him. He was like, the reason me and Al have such a good relationship are because, I mean, they go to dinner all the time. They talk. They travel together. And when you're with somebody like that and and you don't like them, it's, you're going to hear it in the in the, the broadcast. But if you like them and it's just free-flowing, it's just it's really nice to hear it. And I feel like that's why they're so good. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone, as far as, like, announcers goes or, like, podcasting or – yeah. anything where you got to sit down and talk, I think it's going to be better if you have some sort of personal connection, you know, to who you're talking with. Um, For sure. Like, you know, Tom and all them and, uh, you know, you're talking about Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels and even, you know, even just as anything else you do in these podcasts, you know, talking to your friends. I mean, me and you haven't known each other very long. Not at all. But I'm, like, I'm, sure if, I'm sure if we – went back and listened to the first time I was on, it'd be a little, you know, more awkward than it is now. You know, I mean, now I feel like we've gotten to know each other better and we, you know, can have better conversations. But so I think, you know, no one who you're talking to really does help you in terms of, you know, being entertaining and that kind of stuff. For sure. We'll, we'll end the podcast with, 
I mean, one of the bigger things that's happening tonight is we'll preview uh, the wild the the UK game, and then hopefully tomorrow when I upload this, hopefully this Wednesday, or Wednesday, hopefully we're correct. But Kentucky plays Alabama tonight at seven. Um, they got absolutely curb stomped. Seems like two weeks ago when they played. <laughs> yeah, uh, John John Petty. I mean, Alabama looks like the team to beat in the SEC. They put up like a hundred and four on LSU. Did you see that? Like they were like twenty one for twenty four for three pointers. Yeah, I, I mean, Alabama. It Nate Oates has really just taken on the Golden State Warriors style basketball. And, he really has. And, and you know, and sometimes you know, in college when you don't have professional players that can come back to bite you and you have a bad night where you don't shoot well. But it seems like Alabama doesn't have very many of those nights. No. And uh, But, yeah, like I did see that game, and they put up like 60 in the first half. They were on pace for like 120. And, um, and so it's going to be a really, really tough matchup. And I'm – I'm a little worried. I'll just say you think that. we you think we win? Uh, no, but <laughs> yeah, uh, but I think it'll be more. It's hard not to be, you know, less competitive than the last game. So I think we'll be more competitive in tonight's game. But I don't think we'll win. But of course, I'm moved trust it. So I have some stats here. Uh, I just kind of pulled up. So we won the last game 82 to 69. I mean, we gave it to LSU and we looked relatively good. I mean, I still feel like BJ Boston looks like trash, but he's still like scoring like the most on our team, which is just kind of weird to me. We lost to Georgia, which we easily could have won, Auburn, Alabama, but then we beat Florida and we crushed Florida. And I feel like our we just have no balance in our momentum. I just, it just doesn't feel right. Alabama's a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I think I think if UK scores 75, we win. Well, I mean, based off, you know, everything that happens this season, I'd say you're right. Uh, I don't know if you saw this stat or not, but when we score 65 points or more, we're 5-0. and oh. When we score, you know, less than that, we are 0 and 9. And I mean it's it's not like 65 points should be hard to get to. If we have any sort of resemblance of a good offense, then we succeed because our defense is actually really good. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we just are historically bad offensively and you know, we're already more than halfway through the season. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> uh, we're already more than halfway through the season and I just don't see – I mean, the last game was really good offensively. I thought we did a lot of good things. But I think that had a lot, had a lot to do with how LSU pushed the pace, which is a bad decision against us. But I feel like Alabama will make this more of a half-court style game tonight, and I think that's not going to go in our favor. I think I think you're you're right. Um, I th- And our I feel like our perimeter – uh, defense hasn't been the best either, and I think that's going to be a greater downfall. But looking at the schedule, we have Alabama, Texas, Missouri, Tennessee, four in the top twenty Whew. in the next four games. That's hard. Um, I, I'm I'm all I'm looking for 
is Kentucky to make the NCAA tournament? Because if they don't, it just won't be the same. Yeah, um, and I mean, I guess not thankfully for us, but to not make us look as bad, we're not the only blue butt blood. Uh, blue blood, that's hard to say, uh, <laughs> on this boat. I mean, like you look at Duke, which, you know, Coach K is going to have another back injury. I can feel it coming. Uh, and it, speaking of Duke real quick, did you see what Coach K did to that college student the other night? He was just a jerk. I, he, he asked him a question, and he was like, "Like, what? What major are you in?" Or tell, give a little backstory of what he did, because I, I watched the video, but I don't remember as much of what he said. Okay, so Duke lost the other day, lost again, like us, uh, <laughs> lost to Louisville by like five or six points. It was a close game. So then after the game, Coach K comes on for his you know post game interview. And this college student, uh, which turns out it was his first time getting asked a question to Coach K in one of these press conferences. And his question was something that wasn't like, you know, like just an asinine question. It was, yeah. uh, he said, like, what's your next, you know, step going forward? And and you would have thought, you know, that he just asked Coach K to, you know, say <laughs> why he hates everything. <laughs> He said, well, well, and I can't do a Coach K impression. <laughs> but he said in his little snarky voice, he said something to the effect of, well, what's your major? And the kid said, econ. And uh, and then Coach K said, like, uh, imagine you just took your hardest econ test ever, and then you walk out of it and someone comes up to you and says, what's your next step? And then he said, you know, have some empathy for us. We just went – through a tough game, you know, this has been a tough season. And it was just, I mean, sure, maybe you want to evaluate the game you just played before looking forward, but he's acting like he's never gotten that question after a game before. I think he was just mad and he felt like he could pick on that, you know, kid, really. And, uh, and like, I just thought it was a snarky, you know, uh, comment I, I and, I, and he did apologize which is a good thing but you know, I don't feel like that apology was genuine not at all but I, I do feel like I've never I've coach K is great and I feel like I've never really liked him but there you he was being a jerk and he probably he definitely shouldn't have done that especially to a college kid if you know that I mean give the guy some some just blow off but I mean if I was a coach He's like 80. If I was a coach, I lost. We're having probably one of the worst seasons I've ever had in my entire life. I feel like even if I'm just like a regular coach, going to have to talk to the press must be the worst thing in the world. Uh, but definitely replying like that is just – that's Coach K. Hey, that's what he does. I, I mean, he uh, – I think um, I saw somewhere today, and I agreed with what they said, uh, Coach K – is he's a very gracious winner, but when he loses, he's the most you know he's the biggest jerk in the world, and mm-hmm. uh, and I mean which doesn't surprise me because that's how he's always been, but um, I mean but I mean you know you're a aspiring you know media. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but you know, you like sports, yeah. You know, media and whatnot, and like you're trying to get into that, and I might try to do that one day too. But could you imagine, like, your first time getting asked Cal or Mark Stoops a question, and their response is, 
well, have some empathy for me. Like, what's your major? You know, why are you calling you out? Call, exactly. I mean, it was just it's such a snarky comment, and you know, but you know what? He's getting what he deserves. Uh, you know, they're five and five, and things aren't looking good for them either. So, you know, if, if Kentucky is going to be down in the dumps, and we might as well have Duke with us. We have Duke and North Carolina with us. We're pulling everybody down. <laughs> That's right. And you know, Kansas is uh, Kansas is still ranked, but they're starting to lose you know, games back-to-back. So maybe they'll join us here in a few games. It's just been a hard – it's been a hard few months for UK. I mean, football wasn't what we thought it would be. But all in all, looking forward to tonight. I think, if I'm being honest, I think UK loses. I think we lose by probably more than six if I had a pick. Yeah. I think Alabama by six. Do you have a – you want to throw in a pick? Uh, I'll go – I'll give a score. I'll okay. go Alabama 84, Kentucky 71. Like, I think we'll get above 70 tonight, but I don't see us winning this game. Uh, I'll go MVP. Give me Keon Brooks. He'll, go, he'll have 14 points and five rebounds, and he'll be our MVP tonight. I think that's a good call. I think – We'll probably look for a little more shooting. I think we give it to Dante Allen. Give the MVP probably with, let's see, even though it's 18. No, we'll give, it, we'll give him 15. 15 MVP. Uh, that's about it. Um, Braden, thanks for being on, man. Yeah, no problem. I mean, I feel like I'm I'm becoming a regular and like I like it. <laughs> for sure. Um, thanks for everybody who listened. Um go UK. We'll see how the game goes the next uh, few weeks go in sports. We'll see where we're at. We'll keep talking about it and we'll be here. But uh, thanks for everybody who listened. We out.